Today is, of course, a Monday, and that means it's time for me to be joined by Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you doing here today? I'm not bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Not bad for a Monday. Just ready for some uh, the rain to go away and the sun to start coming out, which uh, apparently is going to happen later in the week, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that. Now, <laughs> now, of course, uh, a lot of stuff happening here in, in the world right now. And, uh, you know, the protests when it comes to racial inequality are seemingly the front and center story. And that's been the case now for about three weeks. And, uh, you know, as these protests go on, uh, they, you know, they seem to maybe lose a little bit of steam, like not a lot, just a tiny little bit. And then all of a sudden, boom, another incident seems to happen. Um, and that was the case here this past week. On Friday, there was an incident in Atlanta. Rayshard Brooks fell asleep at the wheel after falling, uh, uh, sorry, fell asleep at the wheel while he was in a Wendy's drive through He failed a sobriety test and then uh, was being arrested. While he was being arrested, he broke away, stole the officer's taser before eventually being shot three times as he was running away, later pronounced dead in hospital. So, Kyla, I wanted to start with this story because it's just something, I mean, we see the the protests that are happening. It seems like everyone should be aware of what is going on in the world. And, you know, this guy is running away with a non-lethal weapon, a taser, with his back turned to the officers, and they shot at him. Can, can you believe, first of all, that that happened? Not only that it happened at all, but it happened during a time where this is exactly why people are protesting. I mean, can I believe it? Yes. Am I absolutely appalled that something like this went on when police officers should be on heightened awareness about the way that they treat individuals of color they're dealing with? Yes. So what do you think is really at, at uh, the root of the issue here? I know like systemic racism, of course, but when we're looking at just the way that the officer handled this situation, is this a matter of de-escalation training? Do you think this is a matter of just not knowing how to properly respond when someone is, you know, fighting back in this type of a situation? Like this is just something that doesn't make sense to me as to why someone would pull out their gun at all in this type of a situation. It doesn't make sense to me either, and I think that there was a real failure of training on the part of the police officer. You never shoot your weapon at somebody who's running away, who doesn't pose an active threat to your life. Um, and so for the officers to have done that and to have discharged their firearm at somebody who was running away, it was absolutely unnecessary, especially because they'd already got his ID. They already knew who he was. They had his car. So, you know, it's not like he wasn't going to at some point have to be in contact with police again. And they knew where to find him. It wasn't a situation that required them to use the weapon. And just because he had a taser doesn't mean that they were justified in using lethal force because the amount of force was not proportionate to the risk that he presented at that point in time. So, I mean, have you seen the whole dash cam video of the entire incident as it took place? It's incredibly difficult to watch, but yes. Um, now, what was your thoughts, I guess, just on the initial traffic stop? I mean, when I watched the whole video, everything seemed to be going pretty much normal until, until of course, this guy, uh, Richard Brooks, eventually broke away. I mean, you see these situations of people who are, you know, passed out in, in drive throughs or in the parking lots of fast food restaurants very commonly. Um, it's, it's not an unusual fact scenario. Um, and it is unusual for them to turn violent. And it does appear to be that, it, you know, it was the point in time at which this person, likely out of fear for his own life when dealing with the police officers in that situation, um, when he made the decision to, to take off. And that prompted this overwhelmingly violent response from the police. Yeah, this is just something that I can't believe, uh, you know, just the timing of it more than anything, because of course we're all well aware of these being the reasons that protests are happening. These are the types of situations that people are speaking out against, you know, not to be shooting first and asking questions later. That's not how the process should be going. 
but just the fact that it is happening in the midst of these protests and then of course the the reaction that it sparked uh it just it baffles my mind that uh, you know police in this particular instance and in many other instances that we've seen over the last three weeks just don't seem to be aware of what is going on and and i can't imagine that that's their excuse but that's clearly what's taking place and it's just shocking to watch and, you know, this is what we're watching in, in the States, and it's not like Canada is by any means immune from this problem. We're well aware of instances of, of these types of scenarios happening in Canada. We saw it actually not very long ago about an instance that happened up in northern Alberta at a casino where uh, Chief Alan Adam was arrested. And, uh, you know, there was a bit of a controversy around the way that uh, police handled that situation. Now... I guess I'll just start by getting, again, I'll, I'll make sure that you have, in fact, seen the whole the whole video. It was about 12 minutes worth of dash cam footage that has eventually been put out. You know, the 30-second snippet came out, and then eventually the whole thing was released. Have you watched that whole piece of video? I have. And and what is your thoughts on, on this one? Because this one, it seemed a little bit more gray to me in the sense that, okay, if you watch the, just the 30 seconds when it first came out, it seemed uh, incredibly violent, just the way that uh, the Chief Adam was tackled, it seemingly for no reason. Once you saw the whole video, I mean, it was a little bit more controversial in the sense that, you know, this chief here in this case was a little bit more combative, I guess, than, than maybe people had first thought. Um, just what is your thoughts on the use of force in this? I, I still think police went a little bit overboard in this scenario as well i also believe that the police went overboard in the scenario but i think you have to draw a distinction between the two police officers dealing with chief alan adam because the first police officer that was on scene and dealing with him when he first exited the vehicle um, who got him back in the vehicle who managed to to some extent de-escalate the situation was appeared to be following his training and appeared to be dealing with the the threat and the you know angry individual who was challenging him to a fight in an appropriate and measured way it was when the second officer runs in from off camera appearing to have just recently arrived and does a flying punch into chief adam's face while the first officer is about to gain control over him and that punch was absolutely beyond the scope of what was necessary in the circumstances particularly with two officers present there were a lot of different uses of force that would have been appropriate in that circumstance but that were much lower in the scale and level of force than what was used here yeah, so I guess, again, in this particular case, I mean, this, the, the initial traffic stop seemed to be uh, handled fairly appropriately, and then, and then once, uh, you know, sort of a, an unexpected action took place, things kind of got out of hand. Is that also, that's pretty much how I understand your, your breakdown right there. Yes, absolutely. I, what troubled me about this incident was that before the dash cam footage was publicly available, um, the police had indicated that he had been detained um, and was resisting arrest and that he'd been detained for expired registration, I believe it was, on the vehicle. But when you watch the full video, you can see that he gets out as a crew cab truck and he gets out of the rear driver's side seat, not the driver's seat. And you can even see that there's a driver remaining in the driver's seat who ultimately later gets out of the vehicle. Um, so what troubled me was that rather than address the use of force and rather than provide the footage and let people decide for themselves and, you know, cooperate with an investigation that's going to be taking place now, the police provided a false basis for this arrest. You can't arrest a passenger for something that the driver has done. Hmm. Okay, um, so I guess in this particular, when you, when you say that you can't arrest a passenger for something the driver has done, I mean, even if in this case, you know, he was, he did get out of the vehicle, he did get somewhat combative or not combative, but even just, um, you know, uh, not 
necessarily following orders directly. I mean, wh how should that situation be handled? If you can't actually ar arrest him for the traffic stop itself, I guess, uh, was there any point in there where you saw anything that would have been uh, an arrest-worthy pattern of behavior? If he's interfering with the investigation of the driver for the traffic offense, then he could be arrested for obstruction. What typically happens when police are following their training is that they give the individual an obstruction warning. If you don't stop, I'm going to arrest you for obstruction. You are not detained. You're free to leave. Please go away. They give them the opportunity to leave. They try and de-escalate it in a nonviolent way. Um, and that didn't quite play out the way it should have here, and especially not once that second officer arrived on scene. But I don't take too much credit criticism with the actions of the first officer because it's clear that he was still attempting to engage in as many non-violent de-escalation tactics as, as he could. Do you think that there's a problem when we look at some of these types of instances? We look at these videos and, you know, there. you talk about how the, the first officer seemed to handle things pretty well until the second officer came in from, uh, you know, just got on the scene and then immediately kind of tackled Chief Adam in this case. Do you think when we're talking about any of these kinds of scenarios where we're looking at a group of police officers that very often, um, you know, they're, they're looked at as, as a whole and maybe not as individuals, like even when you look at well, the situation in Minneapolis with with George Floyd, it was all targeting the one officer who was actually on his neck. And then, you know, eventually people started to to really uh, accuse all four officers of being a part of the situation. But it didn't seem to be something that it, it, sometimes they're, they're grouped together more so when, when there are officers that are, you know, maybe taking the proper steps, but they're still viewed as, as being a part of the officers who are taking these, these bad actions. I guess it's... I'm trying to figure out how to even ask a question here. Is it often that, uh, you know, we're seeing parties lumped together as one instead of being treated as individuals? That's incredibly common to see them lumped together as one. And it's something that, you know, police investigative, investigatory bodies and the courts have to sort out when, if and when people are charged or if there are investigations into the conduct of the police. Um, and there can be, even with police officers, a type of mob mentality where if one officer is doing something, the other officers go along with it because they feel like they're obligated to do so to try and present this united front. Um, there's also a problem that arises for a lot of police officers in this situation where if they see something that's wrong that's happening, they don't want to call it out in the moment or they don't want to do anything about it because they're concerned if it's a superior officer or if it gets relayed to a superior officer, that that could be viewed as a, a type of insubordination um, and they could be disciplined for that. So they are in a difficult position when they see individuals um, amongst themselves who are acting in a way that's that's violent towards people of color, that's unnecessary force and excessive force because they do have to walk a fine line between being able to say something and do something and being powerless to stop it. Well, Kyla, as always, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to me about these are very important issues, particularly in this particular time. So thank you so much for coming on and speaking about them. I, th I th really thank you for your commentary and I look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks for having me. Of course. And of course, uh, just before I let you go, I'm going to let everyone know that the Accutones is out with a new song, and I thought it would be appropriate for us to, to go to break while playing a little bit of it. So, Kyla, I just wanted to let you know before you actually take off that uh, you're making your radio NL debut, I think, right here, right now, okay? Oh, thank you.
a fine day. The hankerin's what you've got, and that's true. Then I'll stick around, be waiting for you. Cause I got the virus, I got it real bad. It keeps us apart. Yeah, there you go. There's Kyla Lee with the Accutones. I caught the virus. You can hear that whole song on YouTube if you want. Of course, she caught COVID-19 um, early on when everything kind of started as she was making her way back from Ohio. Uh, so, uh, yeah, had to write a little song about it. So if you're interested in hearing the whole piece, log on to the YouTube. Check out the Accutones. I caught the virus.